we don't believe your stupid face. Well, it's a life of evil for me, then. Boy, wouldn't that be a twist? We've gotten ourselves confused. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that never disapproved of your actions. I'm Kelly Annika. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. Googums. Tactness. If you ever call me Googums again, we are getting a divorce. Uh, right back at you. Okay, good. Yeah, that was, that was horrifying. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh, yeah. those two. Of the many dark and horrifying things that happen in this episode. Yeah, Googums clearly <laughs> takes the cake. Yeah. Uh, welcome back, cousins, for yet another riveting recap of mm-hmm. Parade's End. The longest Parade's End of any end of a parade I've ever seen. Yeah, indeed. Like, this is longer than most full parades. That's true. Yeah. We're getting to the point where they're just pelting, you know, rock-hard pieces of double bubble at us, <laughs> daring us to continue watching. <laughs> So we have no new countries this week to report. That is correct. And uh, no new telegrams either. However, there was a carrier pigeon, yes. a.k.a. Tweet, <laughs> that was so good, we have chosen to award Cousin of the Week for the first time. That's right. To a carrier pigeon. It's unprecedented. So congratulations to Cousin Aaron, who tweeted, Happy Guy Fox Day. Damn, what did I do with that effigy of Lord O.C.? <laughs> we had forgotten about Lord O.C. and um, his universal uh, dislikement. Right. <laughs> in all quarters of Manor House. Yes. So uh, uh, we do hope that you all had an excellent Guy Fox Day. Yeah. And burned your own effigy of your very own Lord O.C. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, Wow. I don't know if we've ever had an opening that was this short before. Yeah, but... Uh, without a guess. Yeah, well, I but, guess here we go. Yeah, we're getting right into it. So yeah. look out, cousins. <laughs> That's right. Coming at you. <laughs> yeah, so we start off with Seabatch, uh, who is having that one dream where Valentine's stuck in a kaleidoscope again, Well, apparently. it's Valentine and uh, Sylvia. Yeah. Both. That's true. He's got a lot of problems. He does have a lot of problems. He is... Uh, you know, clearly had some sort of war injury that he and was he, dealing with. he keeps repeating in his dream, which is when he meets Sylvia on the train, mm-hmm. my name is, my name is, and I'm like, Slim Shady! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it's not. It's not at all. It's Christopher Tegens, but... <laughs> right. I can see, you know what? I can see that being hard to remember if you've had the stuffing knocked <laughs> out of you. Yeah. Uh, we then cut to Sylvia Tegens, nay Satterthwaite, <laughs> uh, who is uh, busy sending food to the enemy, uh, basically. She is in an extremely fancy room ordering a bunch of fancy food. Uh, yeah, it's like the, um, not the Pepperidge Farms, that's too low class, the, the Harry and Davids. For all I know, it may be Harry and Davids. Uh, I think it's a British brand. I don't know. I don't either. Well, clearly. I don't even know what a plover's egg is. <laughs> Well, uh, one a mommy plover and a daddy plover <laughs> love each other very much. You mean when they plove each other? <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> yes, and she is sending, I think she said it was to, uh, Queen Alexandra's palace. Yes. Who was the, uh, the wife of King Edward, who at this point was no longer king, being dead at the time. Um, 
But yeah, so I guess it was Queen Alexandra's palace that had been converted to a prisoner of war facility for German officers. And Sylvia finds this all perfectly ridiculous and amusing. Yes. Uh, the shopkeeper, perhaps less so. Yeah, but uh, the shopkeeper did not get where he is in life by pointing out rich people's problems to them. Yeah, and she adds a uh, tin of toffees yeah. on top of a fairly extravagant order. Yeah. Well, because he's asked, he's like, oh, you know, I'm just going to send this to your room to graze in, right? And she's like, no, 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 send them send them to the enemy, please. Yes. <laughs> I'm wearing a fabulous purple dress and I'm feeling saucy. Yeah, this is my treason dress. I <laughs> thought you'd pick up on that. Tejans, treason, they rhyme. <laughs> We see a McMaster looking more and more fancy all the time, but he's sitting at his desk opening his mail, uh, and somebody has mailed him a white feather. So, Oh, right. I yeah. thought he was just getting ready to write something. No, no. I was like, why is that idiot using a quill? They invented <laughs> the fountain pen by now. Right. Well, I mean, not that I wouldn't put it past him. Well, you know what? This really puts uh, the entire rest of the episode into perspective for me. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad I could help no, out No, I just that. always forget about that because in the movie Dumbo, his feather was lucky. Right. No, we, we're used to thinking of feathers as a good thing. Uh, but World War One Britain, not the case. Boy, it really was like an alternate universe. <laughs> when it comes to feathers. Yeah. yeah. It was the darkest timeline as far as feathers are concerned. <laughs> Uh, he's not the only person, well, uh, McMaster and Sylvia are not the only people who are being uh, abused by their peers. The butcher is being quite mean to Valerie Wenup. You mean Valentine Wenup. Yeah, I sure do always say that. Look, they've really, you know, Ford Maddox Ford has really cut <laughs> everyone's work out for them by naming her uh, Wanup. Yeah. Just Wanup? Wanup. Is that even a name? Uh, is Tejan's a name? It's a better name than Wanup. Yeah. Cousins, what do you think? <laughs> What's the better name? Teachins or Wanup? Yeah. I think I'm going to put a poll on the Facebook page. That sounds good. Okay, great. I mean, I think clearly Satterthwaite's the winner. Because, come on, that one's fun to say. Oh, yeah. Satterthwaite's great. Yeah. It rhymes with great. <laughs> it does. And they've got an excellent estate. Yeah. Which also rhymes with Satterthwaite. Wow. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Mama Wanup wants to move to London in any case, which will, you know, teach that butcher a thing or two. Oh, it certainly will, giving them sardines. <laughs> That's right. Uh, she uh, will move there to be closer to her publishers and whatnot, and uh, just because, you know, it's a happening place to be. And uh, she says that she'll ask Mr. Tejans to help her out. Well, she wants Mr. Tejans to get Sylvia, I'm sorry, uh, Valentine, you know why we're getting all screwed up? We're not calling her Mary Culligan. Yeah, that's true. She wants Mr. Tejans to get Mary Culligan a job. Right. And Mary Culligan is like, uh, he's busy murdering Germans. Right. And then Mrs. Wanup is like, uh, I'm talking about Mr. Tejans. Right. You know, like Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> yeah. Like his dad. And then she's like, I'm sure Christopher doesn't call you Miss Wanup. And he <laughs> totally, <laughs> they both do. Yeah. It's, positively straight out of Pride and Prejudice. It very much is, yes. Which they probably both, you know, intended. Yeah, that's true. Weirdos. He is extremely Darcy-esque. <laughs> yeah. We also learned that uh, Reverend Crazy is getting <laughs> discharged from the asylum. Yes. Sane is sixpence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, as we all know, is the most mentally stable of all British currency. <laughs> that's right. Like, don't... You don't want to mess with a crown. No, like, absolutely not. Look out. In, you know, centuries of inbreeding. What are you going to do? 
So Valentine goes straight away over to the Douchemans, mm-hmm. where uh, Mrs. Which, by the way, let's not forget about Douchman in the name oh, yeah. contest here. That's a good point. Douchman. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Mrs. Douchman is wandering around fretting because she, right. uh, despite Chrissy's warnings to <laughs> McMaster, she sunk quite a chunk of her own and by her own, we mean the reverend's cash yes. into making McMaster look like even more of a ponce than he already does. Right. Uh, so she's worried about that. And she's, you know, going on and on and on about all of his mm-hmm. connections and all of his honors. And she says something about that he's been recognized by the uh, office. He's- the something of the bath he's a companion of the order of the bath yes and then valentine notices something and says wait a minute is he in the bath and mrs douchman is like oh my god you idiot no have you not been listening to any of this social climbing nonsense and valentine's like uh and like there's water coming through the ceiling yeah smash cut yeah to the rev douchman Slit his wrists like the roman senators of old in the tub we both gasped and possibly screamed yes we both were quite surprised by this development and you know good on you stoppard slash ford maddox ford yeah like that did not see i that one i just assumed there would be more uh frivolous hijinks yeah more shenanigans wrt corsets <laughs> right. you know, stifling sexual organs but uh nope. yeah well he's he's gone beyond corsets now um I, Did I, we miss the scene where Mark's money was being scrubbed? Uh, possibly. I am sorry to undercut this tender moment. <laughs> but we got a shot of Mark, Christopher Tegan's brother, uh, mm-hmm. getting ready. And his butler appeared to be washing and scrubbing his coins. It seemed to be the case. Well, I mean, I'll say this. You know, if people are getting their newspapers ironed, like... I guess so. Money's pretty dirty. Yeah, it is. Like, well, and you don't want to, uh, you don't want to appear to have given, you know, some peasant a filthy farthing. <laughs> right. Then it just looks like you're unloading your dirty money on the peasantry. Right. Which, you know, oftentimes you are. Uh, but in any case, yeah, that did happen. And, uh, Douchman's dead. And by the way, tip for all of you who are considering killing yourselves in the bath, why not turn the water off first? Just, uh, just you know, throw that Tom, out there. He wasn't in his right mind. Well, Clearly. I mean, and you look, I am loath to give Mrs. Douchman points on anything because I think she yeah. is a silly ass and yeah. I do not like her. Oh, well, especially, especially after, after this episode. Yeah. But she has an excellent point about those doctors releasing him, mm-hmm. you know, because... Well, clearly. Well, and mental health was not exactly uh, anybody's strong point <laughs> at this juncture in history. Right. So, you know, for the doctors, it was in their best interest to look as if they could cure people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, even, uh, oh gosh, what's that book that I like so much that F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote? Tender is the Night. Mm. I mean, that's kind of the whole premise behind Tender is the Night, which mm-hmm. is, of course, post-World War II and a bit later than this. But, you know, the whole premise of that book is that, you know, there's this psychoanalyst who's, like, so good he can cure anybody. But then he just marries Zelda Fitzgerald, which, like... <laughs> you know, heal thyself, doctor. <laughs> yeah. Bad move, anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, she's upset because they have, you know, released him to soothe their own vanity. And right. uh, they did because yeah. he's been home for how long? Like like a day, minutes? apparently. Yeah. And he went straight uh, for the wrist slashing. Yeah. So this is uh, does not look good. Not for... a well man. Yeah. 
this asylum is getting a pretty negative Yelp review. I think <laughs> we can all uh, agree. It's weird because there's no way he could have been, to my mind, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. I feel like it's hard to believe that he would have pre- been presenting well enough mm-hmm. for them to release. I yeah. mean, but I mean, people, you know, people will do that. They will appear yeah. well specifically so that they can get, you know, the the latitude to have opportunity to kill themselves. Right, right. So, you know, I mean, whatever whatever happened, he's dead. Yeah. You and, know, uh, rest it. in corsetless peace, douchemen. We yeah. liked the cut of your jib. Yeah. We could see why you needed help, <laughs> but you had some, some ideas we enjoyed. Yeah. Hopefully the fact that you took your own life does not condemn you to a burning, corset-filled hell. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, back at the field hospital, Seabatch is, uh, is messed up. His face has, uh, you know, is wounded. He doesn't look good. Meanwhile, one of his fellow patients who's, uh, you know, a little, uh, PTSD going on, uh, attempts to strangle him, uh, when some, some bombs go off outside. So that's unsettling. Mm-hmm. And a stretcher gets wheeled by with some parts of people on it. Seabash asks the nurse where he is and how long he's been there and what his name is. And she looks at his tag because war is hell. Yes. This is a bitch of an episode, everybody. It is. I feel that I might not make it through without weeping. Well, that may be true. All right. I'm just warning everybody up front right now (laughs) because there's some shit about like this is this is the high point. Right. The high point is him almost dying. And yeah. not remembering his name. Yeah. Like, this is great. And, like, the suicide, that's pretty lighthearted. <laughs> it's a it's a GD romp. Yes. Compared to the human cruelty on display for the rest of this episode. Right. Well, at the Satterthwaite estate, Brownlee is there. And he is still desperately trying to get Sylvia to sleep with him. Mm-hmm. And she is, you know... Undesperately not sleeping with him. Right. Uh, and it's, these were, these was kind of some fun scenes with her, uh, just kind of. She is a delight when she's not making Seabatch cry. Yeah, she is. And he says he loves her like, oh, I wish I was one of those poetical fellows. She's like, oh, go on. What do you love me like? He's like, well, I love you like, like anything, darn it. And it is redonkulous. Yeah. So, uh, he. It's like five steps away from, I've got my American accent to keep me warm, mother. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, Brownlee sucks. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't matter anyway because she can't divorce as she is Catholic. And uh, Speaking also, of being Catholic. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Everybody's favorite priest wanders in. <laughs> right. What does he call her? I Something. It was a, a, a name that I did not know. It seemed like some from, sort of name of some brazen person from classical literature. Yeah, it seemed Greek. But, but she says to, to Father Constant that, you know, he says things to her she'd have any other man horsewhipped for, but he's a priest. He does seem a bit on his high horse. Yes. But anyway, he wants to know where a map is, and she cheekily asks him if it's to send to the Germans. Right. Uh, as we all know, he had some business in Berlin. He did. In the previous installment. But no, he simply wants to go wander around on a footpath with a packed lunch that's his plan for the day yeah. and brownlee says by god my plan for the day is trying to bone sylvia just like it has been every day for two years <laughs> uh, meanwhile uh in while attempting to adopt that plan he tells sylvia 
A, that it is widely known that Douchman is Seabatch's mistress, that he and McMaster are Mrs. sharing. Mrs. Douchman. Yeah. Are sharing each other right under Sylvia's nose. Which is like A, gross. <laughs> right. And B, ew. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like I only allow Mrs. Douchman to bang McMaster because they're like equal levels of horrible. Oh yeah, they're they're on a par. Yeah, they're well matched. But Seabatch, ugh. Like yeah. well, you know, Sylvia's at least got the animal magnetism, and I would say a pretty you know, oh yeah, superior intellect yeah. considering who they're running around with. Yeah, but ugh, God. Well, you know who agrees with you, both Seabatch and Mrs. Douchman, which is why, in fact, there's nothing to Agreed. the story. Yes. Yeah, they go outside. Uh, Sylvia's going for a ride and apparently makes one more attempt. Uh, and he says that Valentine, that he's into Valentine mm-hmm. and has been ever since she went off with Potty Perone. But Sylvia's so great because she says, I don't know any one-up. <laughs> like, I like the fact that she doesn't know who it is. She feels this is like a sufficient reason right, that, that her husband couldn't possibly... <laughs> be uh putting it to anyone else yeah she's like well i would think i would know the person like he'd at least do me that courtesy <laughs> right father constant is out on his walk and some policemen are in the bushes and to see him and they say oh, look at him taking pictures of the shoreline bold as brass so did ominous. he have a camera uh i guess so I think, no, I think he was taking, I okay. mean, he was, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, uh, arrest him. Right. I didn't think, though, that he was, he was just going out on the footpath, right? I, I, my, I, you know, it's hard, I'm not certain, but that's all, but uh, that's what I think. I think he was just walking. Well, because there. he made it a point to say to Sylvia, there are two battalions of Irish, uh, volunteers fighting mm-hmm. the Germans. Right. I mean, right. I think, you know. Right. He seems like the put up or shut up kind to me, and yeah. he seems like the type in this climate to shut up. Yeah. Well, because as Sylvia rides off, her mother remarks that Sylvia is terrible to keep her hunter, uh, mm-hmm. because every other horse in the county has been put into service with the army. Right. And, uh, she says it makes her look unpatriotic. Yeah. So I don't think that given the fact that it seems to me that Father Constant was kind of living under Mrs. Satterthwaite's patronage right right yeah so he's not gonna like be yeah. actively aiding and abetting the enemy yeah i don't think he was i don't think he was either like i i was originally like sure of that and by the and now i'm like not 100 percent sure but i mean ulti- well my no you know i think if he'd really been doing that sylvia would have said something yeah you know what i mean well and i mean I'll, yeah well, and I just don't think, yeah, now that I think about it, I don't think he was, because I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think anybody, even that were Irish partisans, I don't know why any of them would have particularly cared about the Yorkshire coastline, because I don't think, I don't think he would have been helping in, in aid of a German invasion. Yeah. Like, well, but I mean, I assumed that they were looking at him for uh, the Irish coming over. Right, but I don't see why the Irish would do that either. I don't either. This yeah. is very confusing. Yeah, we've gotten ourselves confused. Anyway, uh, Father Consett arrested. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Tesians, the elder, mm-hmm. uh, is out hunting with uh, this rando old guy that's been around. I don't remember which one he is. Yeah, I think he was maybe at that chutney party. <laughs> <laughs> I- <laughs> this is not our own chutney. Yeah. 
Uh, but he's, certainly he's of that type. Yes. And they're discussing Seabatch. Uh, he apparently was, uh, sent back to the lines for, um, not giving the right answers. What a surprise. Yeah. And Randall Old Guys convinced that Seabatch is a rip. He uses that term like three times in the course of this conversation, uh, which Mr. T finds troubling. He does indeed. And it's all down to uh, young Brownlee spreading rumors yes. at the Gentleman's Club, which as far as I have deduced is essentially mean girls for boys. Yeah. Uh, only with tuxedos. That was all the same impression was what I got from the G's and Worcester books. And also the film adaptation of uh, An Ideal Husband. <laughs> also starring Rupert Everett. Ah. Uh, yeah, so... Well, speaking of Rupert Everett, Mark and Ruggles are... Oh, Ruggles! ...are hanging out, and Ruggles is being, you know... A catty little bitch. Yes. It is so... Why does he live there? Because we get definitive proof in this episode right. that, that old is... Rupi is not... You know, into the dudes. Right. Uh, which is nice. Yeah. Because I think once, you know, everybody found out that he was gay, he kind of got stuck. Yeah, yeah. You know, with this stereotype. Right. And that's that's not the case. Although but he did I, play he just, Oberon in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Well, he likes Ruggles, and Ruggles is, as everybody says, something about the court. Mm-hmm. Like, I love... Nobody has any idea what he actually is or does. He's just a does. little weasel. Yeah. He's a... Ter- There's a lot of terrible people on this show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Ruggles is the worst. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because Brownlee, at least Brownlee's being led around by his dick. Like, <laughs> Ruggles seems to be wanting to destroy Christopher Tegens for no particular reason other than he was, you know, insufficiently impressed with this little peon right. that is Ruggles. Yeah. I feel like Ruggles was like four years old and he was like, so what's my family name, father? And they were like, Ruggles. He was like, oh, well, it's a life of evil for me then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Mark cleverly outsources the uh, let's find out what's up with my weird brother Uh, to Ruggles. Yeah. The trustworthy. Yeah, the trustworthy, unbiased Ruggles. Uh, we then cut to a very cheerful funeral. <laughs> oh is... my god! I have never heard a more. Oh, McMaster actually says the funeral baked meats. Yes, which is a direct allusion to Hamlet. Yes, that manages to be both artless mm-hmm. and rude and just gross. Yeah, it is all of those things. The only three people in attendance are the widow Douchman, McMaster, and Wanup. Oh, Mary Culligan. She's worn white to a funeral. She wears white constantly. She does. And she's got black embroidery on the white. Mm. And I would be very curious to find out if this was some sort of hipster trend. (laughs) Right. Or if it's just, you know, symbolizing her innocence and purity. Oh, I mean, look, that I think goes without saying. (laughs) Anyway, this is the horrible Guggums scene. Yes. They both refer to each other as Guggums, like, again, in every sentence. And it's like, really? Like, there are so many serviceable pet names out there. Right. You couldn't just use one of those. All of them are better than Guggums. Yeah. Like, Guggums is what you say when you're choking to death on a piece of steak. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it turns out they've actually gotten married. Yes. uh, Already. Yeah. In the space of time between uh, the good 
Mr. Reverend Douchman's untimely demise right. and this day. Yeah. Which uh, they didn't really have much in the way of undertakery at this point. Right. Uh, so pretty soon. Yeah, pretty soon. Uh, but, I mean, this was a thing that happened. I remember reading about the Earl of Cardigan, who was, became famous for the Charged Light Brigade. Uh, he, I think later in life, he was married to somebody that they hated each other mm-hmm. um, and had lived together for years, and he had a mistress. And he suddenly one day shows up at his mistress's house unannounced and knocks on the door. He's like, come on, come on. The bitch died. Let's go get married. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know anything about this man, but I find that very unpleasant. He was an unpleasant dude. Um, Much like his sweaters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see Sylvia doing some aerobics or something. Oh, yeah. Edwardian Pilates. <laughs> yeah. I really liked that, actually. As yeah. someone who's unnaturally obsessed with my own body image <laughs> and, you know, things of that nature. Like, well, in- it made me happy to see that this is not a new development. Yeah. And I also really appreciated that Sylvia at least has, like, the self-control to, like, do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, she does that. She prays. She's, like, she has... Yeah, she's pretty disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, has become so, at least. I mean, I think, you know, she's very much about keeping herself fit. Yeah. Whether it's spiritually or physically. Yeah. I mean, despite her, you know, previous wantonness. I mean, there's no evidence of any further wantonness after she promised uh, Christopher right. that yeah. she would be chased. She appears to have been chased. Yeah, she she has been. Because, God. Much to Brownlee's chagrin. Sex with Brownlee would be awful, though, wouldn't no, it? No, I, yeah, I He's would not. He's just such a blech, milk toast, nothing. Yeah, that's uh, why she hates him. <laughs> yeah, but she does like to torture him. But, I mean, that's she the does. thing. She yeah. can get a rise out of him, and all yeah. she wants is to get a rise out of Christopher. Yeah. Well, and that's... I think about this a lot, the telegram that recommended this to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, she just wants to make him jealous. But I think it's just, it's more than that. She just wants to affect him. Yeah. It's, you know, jealousy would be one expression of that. But she just wants him to respond to her in any right. way. And, and he he feels that not responding is the highest show of affection. Right. And she uh, clearly disagrees. Right. Yeah. And he's definitely wrong about that. Oh, but, agreed. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, but, oh, God, his face. Anyway. <laughs> his face is getting a ticket home. Uh, so it's it's pretty much you know he gets the ticket we get some train wheels and he is back in London. Was this shut out of the Emmys? I don't remember it getting any attention. Well, I don't know what the time. Oh yeah, I don't either. It might. Yeah. Have been. Well, anyway, I'm just saying, see batch for president. As far <laughs> as the Emmys are concerned, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah. Oh, just because yeah, I mean, quite good. He does such a great job of conveying. You know, he's physically healed, but mentally. He's so off balance in this scene, and yet he's still mentally aware enough to really, you know, he's like, sir, like very on point. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole point of military training is yeah. that, you know, that gets stored in this primal part of your brain mm-hmm. that even, again, if you get the stuffing knocked out of you. Well, right. Yeah. But it's just, God, his face, it is just so, it's, it's like this perfect mask of tranquility, and yet it is tormented. It yeah. is unbelievable. Where did this man go to acting school? I mean, it doesn't really matter. You yeah. can't teach what he's doing. No. You can't teach his face. No. You got to be born with it. Maybe he's born with it. <laughs> Maybe it's Cumberbatch. <laughs> the new Cumberbatch home face melting kit. <laughs> Cumberbatch perfect match face makeup. <laughs> 
What's your Cumberbatch match? <laughs> Someday. Uh, in any case, Sylvia, uh, we see her praying and we see her kiss a uh, medal. We thought at first it was St. Christopher, but we learned later it's actually St. Anthony. Uh, and I looked up all of his various patronages and like lost persons was like way down on the list. But St. Christopher would have been way more Sylvia's style. Yeah. I mean, A, Christopher, hello. Right? Yeah, and B, travelers. He so. was still, you know, he was still a saint then. Yeah, I know. You don't got to tell me. I know I don't got to. I'm, I'm telling our listeners. <laughs> For those of you who aren't Catholic, St. Christopher was this like giant that helped people cross this river. Right. And the story is that the Christ child came and was like, what's up? And then Christopher was like, oh, okay, tiny child, I will cross you over this river. Right. And then he gets to the other side and is like, oh my God, you're God. Yeah. And Jesus was like, what's up? Yeah, you're a saint now. Yeah, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, that was he pretty much it. He literally just carried Jesus across the river. Well, I will add that... He succeeded Jesus, where... I will add that the child was mysteriously extremely heavy as he had the weight of the world on his right. shoulders. That was the key. I knew there was something more interesting about that story. Yeah. I was like, there's no obstacle here. He's just a giant <laughs> yeah. who can be stride a river in three strides. Yeah. Then it was like, holy shit, you are one dense baby. Yeah, well, anyway, then correctly, many... uh Mm, centuries possibly a millennia at, some, at some point in the in our life in our lifetimes the catholic church was like oh yeah that story is clearly bullshit and that guy's not a saint anymore right he's uh, now a pious legend uh well that's great but you know what <laughs> a millions of grandmothers everywhere who buy their grandchildren a saint christopher medal when they get their driver's license cried out and said no pope yeah we don't believe your stupid face right Trust me, you can still get a St. Christopher oh, medal. Oh, you, you want a St. Christopher medal? I can get you a St. Christopher medal. We live within two blocks of a Catholic church with an amazing gift shop. <laughs> if you're ever in Oakland, California, and you're into that kind of thing, go to the Cathedral of Christ the Light. It's phenomenal. There you go. In the meantime, Christopher Sainthood, not really in question, is it is St. Anthony that we are uh, discussing. And in any case, Sylvia goes to... Fun fact, St. Anthony, second fastest canonization of any saint behind St. Peter of Verona. Well, that is certainly a Who, fact. as we all know, played a bit role in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> he got canonized for killing those kids? Yeah, dude. Oh, wow. I mean, they were kind of jerks. Exactly. Way to ruin everybody's party. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, back to Parade's End. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So Sylvia comes in to see Batch's room um, and asks him about what happened, um, you know, in in his injury. And He's he, wearing a very dashing dressing gown, by the way. This is true. Both of them are, actually. Yeah. God, yeah. they look great. And he talks about it and talks about his experience, uh, says that um, something about bombs getting dropped on us by your friends, which uh, she was, you know... She takes exception to this, yeah. but uh, the lady doth protest a bit too much. Yeah. Well, and he does... Oh, God. See, this is Stoppard at Stoppard's Finest. Mm-hmm. This is this is something that I don't think could be written by anybody else, mm-hmm. and it couldn't have been written better by anybody else, mm-hmm. for sure. And, you know, it's, it's every bit as good as that naked speech about our idiot's Eden was bad. <laughs> yeah. Because he just talks about all the yeah. different kinds of bombs and mm-hmm. how much stronger the bombs are than any of the people the weak little animals they're designed to kill and it's just yeah eye-crossingly beautiful and devastating and we're all crying yeah 
So, uh, pro tip, war sucks. Um, well, because then he tells her all this and he's like, oh, I have to go. I have to report to this office because I said I'd make speeches to yeah. the soldiers. And she actually succeeds. Mm-hmm. She kisses him. I think it's the first time mm-hmm. they've had any kind of intimate contact yeah. in a long time and, mm-hmm. and lays in the bed with him. And it is just... yeah. It is so sad, guys. It's very sad. It is so sad. And I want to say again, if you haven't already listened to us, you have got to watch the show. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And next we see Sylvia having lunch or tea or something. I think it's tea. With uh, a Lady Glorvina, which again, good lord. She's been around. I know. I forget what her point is. Yeah. Uh, She's then- married to somebody. She's married to somebody. Her point in this scene is to continue the character assassination that's been going on. Uh, well, first she tells... Well, she's at least got a solution. Right. Well, she, yeah, because she tells Sylvia that she can get... She has a contact that'll get her a bunch of hand-knitted, like, socks and, like, and clothes. And gloves and yeah, mittens and things. That she can pretend to have knitted herself for the soldiers. And Sylvia was like, why would I do that? And she's like, because everybody thinks you're a traitorous whore. Yeah. Like, and you should maybe do something about that. Uh, you know, she tried to be as nice as possible about it. Yeah. And, well, and Sylvia's like, oh, what? Just because I sent some toffees? And this lady's like, uh, we're at war. Yeah. You don't just send toffees to a German right now. Clearly. Doesn't mean what it used to. Yes, that was Victorian slang for a very specific sex act, but not anymore. Now it just means you hate England. <laughs> uh, but yes, she has been hearing from Ruggles and... Well, Ruggles came to see her specifically. Yes. Because he's on this, you know, magical mystery tour <laughs> of ruining Seabatch's life. Right. It says that there is a black mark on him. Uh, so at the gentleman's club, Mark and Ruggles are filling in Mr. T. Ruggles is not there. This is strictly Mark talking to Mr. T. Okay. Why would Mr. T ever talk to a little bottom feeder like Ruggles? Well, he's something about the court, you know. Yeah, but he hasn't got a title now, has he? Well, in any case, fair enough. He's, you know, citing Ruggles in, mm-hmm. then, in any case. Uh, so, and, you know, he's got a little book that it's all written down in. Uh, oh, I thought he was just recounting from memory and reading a book to show how apathetic he is. No, I'm, I, I think that was his his book of scandal. But <laughs> I, you know, I'm starring Carrie Washington <laughs> and Ruggles. Um, <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be a twist? Yeah. Uh, but so he's he's filling him in on everything. Uh, perhaps the highlight would be that uh, Baby Batch is uh presumed to be illegitimate Aww, baby batch yeah oh yeah if we have a baby let's call it baby batch okay great <laughs> now you all know what we're gonna nickname our baby yeah however the real baby batch uh has rumored to have been born on the wrong side of the blanket <laughs> yes uh so that uh it is also apparently everybody knows that sea batch fathered a bastard child on one up like and this uh, at is, least five people told ruggles yes according to ruggles well and i'm like what like people did no one ever see her during the war like i uh i don't know it's impossible to say yeah uh 
Well, certainly Mrs. Doucheman did. Mm-hmm. Any, well, we'll get to that in a bit. Well, right. But anyway, everybody's like, oh, yeah, she totes had a baby by Sea Batch. Yeah. And so Mr. T is like, man, what a bummer. We have held Groby with its horrific tree. <laughs> yes. In the, As in the English church for 10 reigns. 10 reigns, which I, I had meant to go back and count that back. Because it's like, okay, Edward Victoria. And then there was like, there was the three Georges to get through there. Like, I, I couldn't quite figure out what that takes you back to. Well, but, uh, it's been a long time. It's a fair number of reigns. Since they rock and rolled. <laughs> uh, so he's bummed out. Yeah. Uh, really, you know, but I do appreciate his fatalism. It is a trait I wish Lord Grantham would pick up. Yeah. Because at least this guy is like, you know what? Oh. I fucked up. Yeah. Although even, you know, and I don't like this guy. Right. I don't like his methods. I yeah. don't like his groby tree. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think he's being a bit uh, unfair on himself because, you know, when he says that to his friend, he's like, you know, if I'd known the oldest one wasn't going to sire, mm-hmm. I would have, like, paid more attention to that autistic kid. <laughs> But, you know, really, a lot more of this, I think, is on Mark. Yeah. Like, well, far be it from me to promote, you know, the agricultural patriarchy. (laughs) Right. But it's like, Mark, you really should have married somebody. I mean, except the thing about it is, too, though, that it's all kind of a moot point because none of this is actually true. Yes. I don't think any of it is true. Well, look. Yeah, well, that kid might not be sea right. batches. No, that is there's true. There's no Maury Povich right. to figure it out at the time. Fair, no, there is that. So there's that. And he did take Sylvia back after the Potty Perone scandal. Right. But, but like... Yeah. I mean, you know, that seemed like the least possible... You know, I think he minimized that scandal as best as he could. Yeah. I well, and look, that way I to mean, me. his own father didn't find out a bunch of this stuff until now. Right. So I would say that C-Batch gets an A-Batch <laughs> in damage control. Yeah, I, I think so too, but it's not going to do him much good. It certainly is not because he comes into the club in full uniform, Yes, sees his father and Mark, and he's like, oh, hey, father, and his dad just like shoots daggers at him and then bounces without yeah. saying anything. Yeah. And Seabatch is probably like, was that not my dad? Like, right. I'm very He's, traumatized. Yeah. Like, my brain's not working. Did I just say hello to a stranger? Like, yes. What's going on? Um, we see Mr. T up back at his estate. He has uh, killed a rabbit, but it just hasn't cheered him up. Not like it used to. <laughs> not like it used to. So he crawls into a bush and kills himself. Which seemed odd to us at first, but we eventually learned that there was a reason for it. Yes. Which was that this is apparently sort of a common mishap. A common way for people to accidentally die is fighting their way through hedges or bushes with the gun with the safety off. So Apparently. Apparently. Well, because what Seabatch says to his son mm-hmm. after the – well, because we get some scenes of the phone ringing and, and Mark – Hearing the news on the phone mm-hmm, with his mm-hmm. doxy <laughs> making him a cup of tea and then Seabatch sitting, you know, wide awake on his bed listening to the phone ring. Right. But anyway, but then it's, you know. It's like, I know that ring. That's the ring of my father having killed himself. But I mean, it does appear to have been an accident. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I don't think. I didn't think it was an accident at all. Oh, I thought really? I thought that was Well, because Seabatch says that, you know, your grandfather was not one to let a rabbit, you know, 
suffer on the wrong side of a head. I thought he was so injured rapid. <laughs> Is he just lying to Baby Batch? Oh, yeah, he's lying to Baby Batch. Aww. Well, his look, I mean... Well, he lied the, to me, too, and I believed him. The, I mean, the more positive way to put it is that his dad clearly, you know, he went to the trouble to make it look like an accident. And he is just sort of, in that sense, honoring his father's last wishes to keep it... Vague. To keep it vague and not scandalous. Yeah. If he killed himself, that would be yet another its own scandal. I did also notice that Michael has never spoken a word. Yeah. Not what he's petted a pony nose. Yeah. He's uh, apparently wet the bed off screen. This is true. He, Did he not? Didn't he have a bad dream or something at the in the first episode? It, well, he may have cried. Yeah, that's the same as talking. Well, that's true. Uh, so yeah, he, babies know that, Tom. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, and also in other tragic news, the uh, pipe tree is being depiped. Yeah, we see a servant taking all the pipes off of it. So I guess that was just Mister T's weird thing. thing. Yeah. What a weirdo. Yeah. You know what? Not sorry to see him go. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't that great. Honestly. I mean, he did blame Seabatch for killing his mother. Right. Which even Seabatch knew that wasn't true. Yeah, yeah. She died of a medical condition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're sitting around sort of discussing the funeral arrangements. Seabatch specifically asks that Mrs. Wanup be invited and then everybody, like, makes weird eyes at each other. Yeah. And the ladies recuse themselves very quickly. Yeah. And yeah. then... Well, and that's where... Because uh, uh, a third party that's there, that some reverend or something, asks if the inquest will be straightforward. Mm-hmm. And that's where Mark is like, why shouldn't it be? There's, you know, 10 or 20 farmers die a year yeah. doing the same thing. You know, and that to me is where I was like, yeah, okay, that was... That's fair. Yeah. And I missed that mm-hmm. that little snippet. Okay. So, three months later. Oh. Ma. God. <laughs> uh, Seabatch is, uh, his face is looking better, which is a relief to everyone. Yes. Um, and he calls on Mrs. Wanup, mm-hmm. uh, in, in uniform. Can we just pour one out for Miranda Richardson? If you're drinking a mug of tea right now, you pour <laughs> that shit on the floor. She's just so good in this role. Yeah. She's so good in every She's, role. She is. She is marvelous. She is a delight. Uh, she's considering writing an article about war babies. War babies. Those funky babies. <laughs> They're the shame of our soldiers and sailors, Kelly. Well, not even she knows that's not true. <laughs> well, and she finds that she's having trouble with the article because it turns out there aren't actually any more babies being born <laughs> than there were previously. But Seabatch says that what must be happening is that half of the men are being twice as irresponsible because they might die, and the other half are being extra cautious because they know they might die. And Much to the delight of Mrs. Wanup. Yes. Uh, he also has commented that her new novel is in the shop window at some booksellers. Some booksellers. The name of which escapes me. Yeah. But uh, he hasn't read it yet because he can't concentrate. Mm-hmm. And it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, but she is very happy about this, and it makes him happy to feel like he's just, you know, made a little mental, you know... Progress. Progress. Like a, a little problem solving in the yeah. old brain. Uh, so that's good. Uh, suddenly, Valentine comes home. She's got work as a uh, school children's games mistress. Yes. Which we... Uh, in the funeral scene earlier. We googums over it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um... <sighs> 
Yes. Valentine and Seabatch both quite shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mama Wanna boogies on out of there. <laughs> um, She's like, well, time to write my War Babies article. Get on <laughs> making one, you two. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, yeah. So Tijans and Wanup just kind of stand around arranging matches for a bit. You mean Mary Colligan? Yeah. They're <laughs> I'm like, not letting this go. Clearly. Uh, but you know, it's just, it's just, uh, about 12 sentences in a row. They're like, oh, I thought you, oh, well, of course. And I, well, I suppose I, oh, yes. I must be going. Yeah. Uh, well, he leaves. Yeah. And then she goes out to their outhouse, which adorably has a heart carved into the door. <laughs> yes. Uh, but she just does her weird crying type smile. Yeah. Uh, cause she was so happy <laughs> to see him. Yes. She was filled with emotions. Yes. Clearly. He was filled with a gooky white paste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. AKA Cumberface. <laughs> What's your Cumberbatch? Next we see one of McMaster's parties. Uh, Which have only gotten more hipstery and insufferable. Oh, they have. We're at, like, velocipede riding, phonograph <laughs> collecting, yeah. monocle-wearing levels of pretentiousness. Right. I had, I don't know how it would work. Like, a lot of ironic clean-shavenness. I don't yeah. Know. But, uh, yeah. It's the worst. And Seabatch is there. He had actually told Mrs. Wanup that he wasn't going to go, but mm-hmm. he did. And uh, Well, he knew Valentine was hanging around well yeah well because he, he did ask her he was like oh i thought you were still serving tea at mcmaster's right right so uh, yeah i mean anyway he does know that she's gonna be there and uh he goes he well, he apparently uh i mean he came there escorting mrs wanham yes like, that was the sort of role that he mm-hmm. showed up in uh, but who else should appear but <gasps> sylvia uh she comes in like oh hello i've suddenly decided to show an interest right and everybody's like, hey. That's not true. I mean, McMaster I, is, because right. he well, knows I mean, her number. Yeah, everybody But that, Mrs. Wanup, I thought, was genuinely taken with well, her. Well, Mrs. Wanup didn't know her. Well, I mean, well, Valentine's upset because, you know, Valentine wants to bone the sea badge. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I felt like there was a bit more, like, well, uh, it's, side Well, you know, it's like when Mark Zuckerberg shows up at Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, it is. Yeah. It's it's like you aren't really you have not put the work in. Right. Like, do you have HPV? Like, even at all? Right. Why are you here? You don't even smell. Exactly. Yeah. Um. No, I mean she's clearly dressed better than anybody else, mm-hmm. and you know Mrs. Doucheman, uh, falls all over herself, and we were confused here right. because she's still being referred to as Mrs. Doucheman, despite the fact that yes. we know she's been married to McMaster. Right. Don't worry, cousins. All shall be revealed in due course. <laughs> it shall. In the meantime, Mary Colligan is all a Twitter. Oh, well, look. If I was crushing on a dude and that walked in and was like, oh, yeah, I'm totes his wife, I would – I'd pull a reverend doucheman. I'd be like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this war. <laughs> Fuck this life. I'm over it. Yeah. Uh, she does the next best thing, which is check out her own reflection in a teapot. Right. Uh, uh, okay. Rule number one, if you're trying to rehabilitate your self-esteem, do not look at your reflection in a teapot. You might as well be looking in a funhouse mirror. Like right. what, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. 
don't do that. Right. It's, no, no curved surfaces. Just as, you know, it's simple. Yeah. Suck it up. Also, there are many fine qualities apart from being breathtakingly gorgeous, <laughs> whether you're clothed or naked, delivering a ridiculous Tom Stoppard mo- monologue. It's true. And wow. I mean, and, and it's fair because, yeah, you know, yeah. she goes off with Mrs. Wanup and then he goes, you know, back, the sea batch does, and yeah. hangs out with her. Yeah, he so does. So she won. She did win. Because he tells her that he worked out a formula for right. McMaster. Yeah. He he figured something out about, like, mortar and bricks and, and something about the level of destruction in France that enabled them to continue uh, insisting on the joint command. Yeah. Well, because, oh, this was one of my favorite moments, though, because she was like, oh, what was it? And he's like, do you really want to know? <laughs> right. And she's like, of course I do. Yeah. And then when he tells her, she's like, oh, but weren't you arguing against your own interests then? And he's like, yeah, well, McMaster relies on me. And, yeah. It is just, ah, uh, it's so fun to see them together again. They it is. They like each other so much. Yeah. It's very fun. <gasps> you guys, the show's so good. Yeah. Uh, so Sylvia comes up to the uh, happy couple. And it's like, oh, these assholes have a motor and they're going to drive me somewhere else. To the Basils. To the Basils, yeah. And he's like, yeah, all right, cool. See you later. Yeah, like, why would I care? <laughs> right. He's like, I'll pick you up later. Yeah. Well, because he's there escorting Mrs. Wanna. Right, indeed. So he can't leave until she This does. is the funniest part to me, is that clearly everybody else thinks that this relationship he has with Mrs. Wanup is like a cover right. for his relationship with Valentine, but it's like near the twain ever meet. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mrs. Wanup has to be aware of something. Right. I would think. Well, maybe not. I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, she when when you came into when Valentine came home the other day, she did boogie on out of yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, but yeah. you know, regardless, Mrs. Wanup doesn't interfere in Valentine's affairs, right? So you know, he's he's there to discharge his duty to Mrs. Wanup and also Mac on her daughter. Yeah, <laughs> but the two are not related. Yeah. Uh, next we see Brownlee, who, by the way, it was exposited earlier that Brownlee is the family banker to the yes. Tijans. Uh, he's in his office reading a newspaper, uh, one of the headlines of which reads, Kerensky vows to continue war effort, which, spoiler alert, he, they do not well, and can't. Um, but they had a great PR campaign. <laughs> That's half the battle right there. Well, fair enough. But one of his lackeys comes in with some... I think it's his butler, his, like, work butler. Because oh, he calls yeah. him my lord. Or I guess like just any underling yeah, of the bank would have to. But. Right, right. And, you know, whoever, a bank person comes in um, with some checks written by Tijans, which apparently uh, he does not have the funds to cover them. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, I'm sure we can give him a call and get this straightened out. And Brownlee's like, you know, you know, evilly says, oh, no, just... Re- Bounce them. Send them back. This instant. Yeah. And the guy, the guy's like taken aback. So this is clearly like uh, well, non-standard. I mean, nowadays, what with unscrupulous banking, pra- you know, this is a time at which banks employed persons. Right. And everything wasn't automated. Right. But it was like, oh, you know, because, you know, even today there'll be some mix-ups occasionally. Right. But it's like. You know, this is like a respected person. Yeah. This is a person well, whose family has held this estate for 10 reigns. Right. You know? Well, and it's, I mean, it gets said later, uh, just to jump ahead, that uh, later on he will tell Sylvia about the 
the checks being bounced and she's like, oh, but that means you're ruined. And he's like, yeah, that means I'm ruined. Like just having your check bounced one time. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's a good thing that's not true anymore because you never would have met me. <laughs> I would have been lying dead in a gutter <laughs> by age 19. <laughs> Well, and Brownlee's so satisfied with himself. He's like, oh, I got you. And, like, it's just, it's so right. stupid. No, he's so, yeah, he's so two-bit. He like, doesn't even understand the game that's so, like, he's not even right. part of the game. Right, exactly. He's not even in it. Yeah. He, at all. Th- this has, He's not even on Potty Perone level. <laughs> right. He's no Gerald Drake. Like yeah. this has not advanced his chances of getting with Sylvia in the slightest no, way at all. Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, she told him specifically to not do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was when he was offering to do it when there was no point. Like right. when there was no alibi for doing it. Yeah. Uh so Val in time, Mary Colligan <laughs> and uh Mrs. McMaster and a Dushman are walking along. Uh, we learned that McMaster has been or is going to be knighted. Um, well, I guess I just give knighthoods to anybody. That's, yeah, that's pretty much been the case for a couple hundred years now. Um, and they kind of start, they're walking along and they get into a, a car. I don't know if that's a cab or what. Well, here's what, okay, so Mrs. Like. McMaster is blabbing on about, oh, of course we don't care about him being knighted, but blah, 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 blah. Right. But, you know, Mary Culligan is a great friend, and this is the thing that makes her and Seabatch such great characters. They're both, you know, they're not perfect, but they're both the best friend you could want. Yeah. They're loyal, they're happy for you when, you know, they want, uh, when their friends want them to be happy, they're like, well, you're happy, why would I not be happy when you have achieved what you want? Yeah. And so, uh, then, well, so well, because it's revealed that McMaster has solved some problem for the army, right? And Mary Culligan is like, "Oh, yeah, that thing about French dilapidations over the course of a year, right?" And Mrs. Dushman flips out yeah. and is like, "What? Who could have told you that? That's ridiculous! It's such a secret." And and then well, and she's like, "It must have been your teachings. Oh, it couldn't have been him. He's no patriot." Mm-hmm. And Mary Culligan. Without even thinking about it, snaps back. Well, at least he's in uniform, mm-hmm. which is great. Because, and and her delivery of it, too, because it is clearly just without thinking about it. Because for one thing, she hates the fact that he's in uniform. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want anybody to be in uniform. But much like Seabatch, she is a creature of logic. And she's like, he can't not be a patriot. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, so... So, apparently, Doucheman has taken this... As a blow below the belt. Well, and again, now thinking about this in context of the feather, and they mentioned it actually at the funeral scene that him being married would keep him out of the trenches. And I was like, I'm pretty sure your goatee (laughs) and general, you know, poncy demeanor is keeping you out of the trenches. (laughs) But uh, so she snaps at Valentine and Mm -hmm. is like, "Uh, yeah, well, he's the most discredited man in London. And I'm like, what? Yeah. In the course of three months, this has happened. Right. And says that, and she says to Mary Colligan that she has had a baby by Seabatch, which is seriously. They lived in the same small town. They lived in the same small town. She did not understand like anything about sex. Like, no, she did. She just thought that you got pregnant every time. Well, right, but I mean, still, like, she was clearly not. 
She was an innocent. Yes. Anyway, uh, so finally, Mary Culligan is like, why are you being like this? She's like, remember that you are a woman and not first and only a snob. Yeah. Remember all the years you devoted and stood by your mad husband. Mm -hmm. Well, this is apparently a bridge too far, despite simply being a fact. Right. And Douchman stops the cab and forces Valentine to get out. Yeah. And I have never hated Mrs. Douchman as much as I have at this moment. Yeah. I am infuriated. It was quite, quite infuriating. It's yeah. wretched. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Tensions are running high. Tensions are running high. Uh, and in the next scene at the Wanup City House, they, so Mrs. Wanup has called the Tejan's house. Uh, and is like the phone is ringing, but then the doorbell rings and there's a telegram. So she. Well, and she thinks it might be her son or right. something about her son. Right. So she goes to get the telegram and asks Valentine to stay on the line for her. Sylvia picks up the phone on the other end. Saucily wearing her hair loose. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, and she says to Valent, like, and when she realizes Valentine, she is, uh, ice cold about it and is like, you'd better keep off the grass, she says. Is that what they're calling it now? Uh, apparently. Um, <laughs> yes, the, the grass meaning Seabatch's dick. Yeah, and she's like, Mrs. Doucheman is already my husband's mistress. And Valentine, it's like the end of the sixth sense, basically, what happens to her face. <laughs> yeah. Well, but also Valentine, holds her own like for being the innocent naive that she is she says she shoots back with you you must be mistaking who you are speaking to mm-hmm. um if please tell mr teachens to call mrs Wanup when he gets a chance and but you know points to sylvia because sylvia's like ah ha 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 look i know who you are <laughs> right uh he's gonna be at the war office tomorrow at four fifteen. you go do whatever then yeah yeah but again keep off the grass so that yeah 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 that was that was nice at dinner a an intimate dinner in the teachin's house uh sylvia asks seabatch directly if mrs douchman is his mistress he's like nope (laughs) have you seen her and she's she's like what about that wannab girl is she your mistress and he says nope she is not my mistress and he's just so like you know seabatchy about it (laughs) um and she says something about uh, uh, Brownlee and how uh, he, he offered he, to bounce the checks just to, just just to please me. And he says, hmm, "Do bankers do that just to please their women friends?" He's so great. He is so great. That because is all one this, of my favorite line reading. Oh, oh god! Yeah, because I mean, all this time he's had the canceled checks in his pocket uh-huh. during this whole conversation. Which she did not know about it, because at this point he pulls him out. He's like, see, there you go. And she, that's where she's like, oh, oh my God, it means you're ruined. And he's like, yeah, it seems that way. Well, off to the war. Well, and she's like, if you needed money, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, yeah, it was just a mistake. Right, because he didn't need money. It was his packet, his pay packet from the army had been late. Mm-hmm. So it was, he was only overdrawn for a few hours on mm-hmm. that one day. Um, which is exactly the sort of situation that a responsible banker you know, get straightened out without ruining somebody's name. Brownlee is not such a banker. He most certainly is not. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and so Sylvia once again goes to her, her fallback position, which is berating Seabatch for never calling her a whore or anything. Oh my God. Um, and just says that, you know, if you had done this and all this sort of thing, then, then, you know, we, there could have been a chance. You might have done something to bring us together. Yeah. Yeah. And he, oh my God. Yeah. He just says, but I never disapproved of her actions. Yeah. In the beginning, you were betrayed by a brute or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you have the right to let a man down. Mm -hmm. It's men against women. It's always been this way. And he's like, because the thing is, he doesn't want it to be this way, but he feels like he has no choice. Yeah. But just his face. Yeah. And he's crying and it's (laughs) hard. It is and horrible. amazing. It is horrible and amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. No, that line, but I never disapproved of your actions, just blew us both off the couch. Like, just, uh, like, wow. No, man. Tears <laughs> on the side of my face. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, it's just, there's a real emotional honesty in this movie. Mm-hmm. Even as they're all living technically by the constraints of the society. Right, right. And it's just, I don't know, I, I really like it because there's a sense, there's there's like an emotional buy-in in Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. They've all really bought in to the conventions and we're, I think, finally just now in these later seasons. Right. Seeing people try to shake that off more. Yeah, yeah. But these people... Well, I don't even think these the people... The people in parades and, I mean, almost, you know... They, they don't buy into them or not buy into them. They are just the conventions. Yeah. They all just sort of deal with them. Yeah. Like, it's it's not even a... Yeah, they're not trying to fit in. Right. They just do this. Right, exactly. So the next morning, Seabatch uh, and Mark are walking along. They stop I think it's the afternoon, bathroom. actually. Well, okay. Well, and yeah. I think, actually, that that dinner was the lunch... Okay. Previous, because uh, she said that, that he would be there like at not, 4.15. That's true. That that scene didn't feel like it was in daylight to me, but what do I know? Well, it was a real dark night of the soul. So. It was. In, in a, Whenever it is, they're walking around London, and Mark is quizzing Seabatch on, you know, all the gossip, basically. Yeah. And Seabatch is just explaining, you know. Basically, no. Yeah, to everything. And at one point, because Mark is really pushing him on where did his money go and all this sort of thing. And he's saying, you know, it was just for, a, you know, a few hours or whatever. And Mark is questions it or something. is like, well, then I guess you'll just have to look at my past books for the last 10 years. When he says this is no good if you don't believe what I say. Right. And uh, Mark is like, oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, looks like uh, you were just ruined for no reason. Bummer, dude. Uh, well, and then... Uh Seabash lays into him though. Yeah. And he says, I det- well, because Mark mm. tries to play it off. Right. He's like, Oh, I thought you'd been living down here, you know, because you know, you treat these southern swine with the contempt that they deserve. It's like, have you not noticed he treats the northern swine <laughs> exactly the same way? Yeah. Secondly, Mark's been living in London far longer. And is now a southern swine. Right. And he says, uh, well, because Seabatch says he hates his buttered toast something. Comfort, yeah. As much as he hates the something fornications of the town and country set. Yeah. And... Well, Mar- because because 
Mark is saying that his father had left it up to him to research the truth about Seabatch and give out his money, give out the father's money accordingly. Mm-hmm. And Seabatch is like, well, that's great for you because I don't want any of his stinking money. Yeah. It's like, well, you usually forgive somebody. No, this is, he specifically says you usually forgive somebody when they kill themselves. Um, and Seabatch says, I don't forgive him. Yeah. Uh, for sending Ruggles after me. And mm-hmm. Mark's like, uh, I did that. And he's like, well, I don't forgive you either. Yeah. Which is great. And he also specifically says he doesn't forgive him for not talking to him that mm-hmm. last night at the club. Yeah. Which, well Good said. on you, Seabatch. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all this is to say that this is where we get Mark talking about his doxy. Yeah. I think her name is Maria Luisa or something. Something like that, yeah. Uh, who makes the best buttered toast. And right. he'd marry her if she weren't such a papist. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that's what's holding you back. Yeah, yeah. This and a passing truck of soldiers prompts Seabash to say that um, they've seen the last of England and that the army that sustained them for the last hundred years is every man of them dead and civilization has gone to fight in their place and they're all barbarians now. Uh, is, true? It's pretty much true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's quite true. Uh, Valentine is reading the casualty lists out front of the war office. Potentially looking for her brother's name. Quite possibly. And uh, who is, uh, it was established at the very beginning of the episode, is now on Minesweepers oh, and is no longer in jail. Correct. Yeah. And she had, you know, reflecting on all these dead people who gotten worked up and lays into Seabatch as soon as she sees him for being in uniform. Mm-hmm. But then pulls him aside from Mark. Well, Some- no, because he's like, oh, hey, by the way, here's my brother Mark. And she just immediately is like, oh, hi, I didn't know he had a brother. Yeah. Also, I'm really angry. Like, it's <laughs> right. phenomenal. It is, yeah. And then she's like, I want to talk to you, and then I'm getting out of here. Yeah. And so she asks him if he is Mrs. Douchman's, uh, if, she is- if Mrs. Douchman is his mistress. And he's like, no. And he's got to be tired of answering this question by now. Yeah. But then he does say, what kind of a Tom, or why would you ask me such a Tom fool question? Yeah. And, you know, she's like, ah, everybody was, like, saying it. And I didn't think it was true. And he's like, no, idiot. Why would I ever bang that idiot? Yeah. (laughs) You're the idiot I want to bang, you idiot. Yeah. Well, she specifically says that Sylvia had told her. Yeah. Well, and, oh, God. And she says, is she, isn't she a truthful person? Right. It is just so funny because Valentine is so worldly in some ways and in other ways is so trusting. Yeah. Well, because she's so, you know, she's perfectly capable of dealing with an unexpected, you know, say Mark Teachens being there when she didn't expect it mm-hmm. or, you know. Many you know, other... a dead doucheman in the bathtub. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, you know, but yeah, I mean, she can handle herself and yet, you know, she's she's so something. I don't know. She's so. Raven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, just just that weird mix of of almost naivete, but not. Yeah. I, I think the point is that they're complex, well-drawn characters. Hey, hey there you go. Uh, so Seabatch leaves her with Mark while he goes into the war office for whatever he's there to do. Well, he's, he's supposed getting to find, his, yeah, yeah, he's, he's getting, getting his, his ticket like, and finding out where he's yeah, going. Was, yeah, and uh, Mark tells Mary Culligan that her mother is going to be getting an, a lump sum worth an annuity of 500 pounds. Uh, and that her, she and her brother will also be getting a little something, mm-hmm. all from 
uh, the late Mr. Tejans. And then he's like, P.S. You should just bang my brother forever because yeah. he likes you. And I want him to have a, you know, some place where he can have a mutton chop and an armchair by a fire and somebody makes him happy. And I'm like, you are a real enigma wrapped <laughs> in a WTF, Mark Tejans. <laughs> like, right. what is your damage? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he's <laughs> like, whatever. Whatever Seabatch can do, he's already driven his father to kill himself. At this point, he might as well have a mistress. Well, at this point, he might as well get down to doing some of the things he's been accused of. Exactly. Um, Seabatch comes out. Mark asks if he'll shake, and Seabatch is like, hell no. Uh, Well, because Mark's also said to Valentine he's going to go and speak to the general and try and get uh, Seabatch into transport which is safe-ish. Right. Uh, and she says, oh, do get him into transport as soon as you... Because, you know, she's been now given tacit permission mm-hmm. by the reigning Tejans <laughs> that she can, you know, see his batch. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, no, shake his hand. And, you know, Mark's like, hey, dude, you could die. And what if when you're dying, you're like, man, gosh. If only I'd shaken my shit heel brother's hand one last time. And he's like, or I may wish I hadn't. Which is great. Yeah. Sea batch never change. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless. Shine on, you crazy sea batch. He, he does give in and shake his brother's hand. Uh, and his brother uh, heads off to be annoying somewhere else. No, he's going off to get him into transport. Well, it's probably going to be annoying. He is he's probably going to be annoying. Yeah, come on. Um, well, Seabash doesn't miss a beat. Like, his brother's not even out of earshot. And he right. just goes to Valentine, hey, want to be my mistress tonight? <laughs> yeah. she's like, do I? Yeah. <laughs> this is because very sweet. We're giving it, it not enough shrift. Right. I think because we like Rebecca Hall so much <laughs> in the role of Sylvia. Yeah. But it's well, because he has reached the same conclusion that he might as well start doing this stuff. Yeah. Since- he says it's, it's a terrible thing to be living by an outmoded code of conduct. People start to think you're a fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, and she... God. It's very romantic. It's very romantic. It's super romantic because she yeah. says, oh, we were in a carpenter's vice. We were just pushed together. Yeah. And they were powerless to stop it. Yeah. They still don't kiss. No. Spoiler alert. This whole t- episode, like, yeah. they never kiss. Yeah. I don't even. <laughs> I just can't. I know. I know. They. Sh- <sighs> so they arrange that they will meet at her place late after 11 and after McMaster's party that night. Yes. And they'll have to be quiet. Yes. Because presumably Mrs. Wanup is tooling around. Yeah. Doing whatever she does. Oh, because I'm sure, I'm sure Seabatch is a very vocal lover. <laughs> Cousins, I'm sorry you couldn't see the face. I'm sorry you couldn't see the Seabatch match on Tom's face at this very moment. It was the most dismissive thing I've ever seen. At McMaster's party, Seabatch is talking to Ruggles, of all people. Fucking Ruggles. I know. Uh, who informed... He says that he has resigned from the club after the whole check scandal. Uh, but Ruggles says that uh, after influence from various people, but leading back to Sylvia, they have decided not to accept his resignation. Mm-hmm. They, they insist that he stay in the club. Um, 
Seabatch then sees Sylvia, who right. has apparently decided to constantly be at this stupid party that she <laughs> Yes. Wearing a stunning black and gold number, might I add. Oh, God, she looks so great. She looks Look, so great all the time. She wins, by the way, uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, Gibson Girl Award in every episode. Yeah. She just looks amazing. She does. No doubt. So he goes up to her and says, oh, I understand I have you to thank. And she's like, oh, you know, Brownlee. And he's like, yeah, seriously, don't even talk to me about Brownlee. Also, <laughs> yeah. I'm going. And she's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, I have an engagement. And yeah. she's like, oh, shit, I said for that bitch to keep off the grass. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, the grass is going to her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the master sees him leaving and chases him down on the stairs saying, Chrissy, Chrissy. Like uh, a prat. Yes. <laughs> I hate him. Yeah. But he is he's sort of apologizing for being knighted. Uh, and Seabatch says it's all right. And he also wants to let him know that should anything happen to Seabatch, that he will make sh- he will never abandon Mary Colligan, that he'll always keep an eye on her. Which uh, is nice considering what a, you know, bitch your wife was to her earlier. Right. And it's like, oh, well then as I lie dying in the muck in France, I'll be like, oh good, the most responsible man in the world, Vincent McMaster, Fortunately, has my got things under control. Fortunately, my of a brother has already settled some sort of annuity on her, so it's fine. Yeah. It is worth noting, though, that both Mark and Sylvia have been like, uh, yeah, this lady would make you happy. Right. Like, why are you so opposed to happiness? Yes. Uh, and he's, he's not so much anymore. She herself is taking a bath, getting ready for the big night. Yeah, losing the V card. Mm-hmm. Ready to go. She's excited. Hot to trot. She has a brief uh, sort of mental picture of herself nude and posed in the manner of the painting that was destroyed in the previous episode yeah that hatchet job you all remember (laughs) yeah no well and this scene kind of made me cry a little bit just because you know she finally gets to do something Mm -hmm. Uh, and she you know she she gets dressed and she's ready and she's waiting Mm -hmm. and she hears footsteps coming in and the gate creaks and then she goes to be ready at the door and the door opens and it's her shit heel brother and i was so angry. Yeah. Oh my I God. couldn't even believe it. Yeah. It was horrifying. So he's all, hey, hey, girl, hey. Oh, here's my shit heel sailor friends. Yeah. Because now I'm super into being in the army. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and they're all drunk. You know, yeah. They're, they're sailors on leave. It's required by law. It is. So I think our next scene is uh valentine is sitting outside like on the sidewalk looking completely dejected yeah seabatch walks up and he's like hey sorry i'm late the trains right and then she's just like oh my god and he's like what and then he hears the drunken sailor singing and he's like damn it sailors ruin everything (laughs) yeah land wars only (laughs) yeah and uh yeah, he says, well, I guess that it's it's sort of, it almost makes one believe in something mm-hmm. or something like that. And he says, I suppose we are the sort that do not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, shit. Um, they, He's they, deep. Yeah. And they, they, they walk through the late night streets. Uh, he talks about how he had told her all those years, five years ago, when they first met, that he could never take her to Groby. Uh, and he says that that's still true, that, you know, some trollop from the servants hall to scandalize the pastor would be understood right 
Well, but I think the, you know, she's, she's from a family. I mean, you know, her father had some sort of position. Right. Yeah. Or, they you know, are, he, they're what would have been termed gentlemen. Exactly. You know, a few generations earlier. Well, it's kind of like in Sense and Sensibility. Right. Exactly. When the father dies and, you know, his son, you know, ascends to ownership of that estate and then kicks all of them off. Right. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it's that kind of situation. Yeah. And they're left to fend for themselves and they're at the mercy of this, you know, benevolent weirdo with a creepy <laughs> tree. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, she's like, okay, whatever. Anything that you want when you get back, I'm super down. Yeah. She's like, I'm DTF. Yeah. I'm DT go to Groby. I'm <laughs> DT stay here. Like, we're, we're in this sea batch. Yeah. Like, buckle in. Yeah. And she says, and, sort of the last thing she says to him is come back yeah and that that her like her reading on that and that whole thing was like very it's a good show it's a good show yeah so seabatch gets home and sits on his couch in the dark drinking a brandy or something yeah drinking a a good sized glass of good hard liquor i thought that this scene was a little bit too dark in the shot agreed i got what they were going for but it was too dark right it so, was well i mean partly the idea was that uh sylvia was up and waiting for him and it was too dark for him to see her yeah which is fine but then we still really couldn't see them the rest of the yeah anyway so then she's like oh my god you didn't even fuck that girl right and she's like she was super ready i like said it all like this is the craziest part is that she thinks that she like helped engineer and yet is also really angry about this. Mm-hmm. And then she's angry that he didn't. And well, like, but I mean, me- I understand it. It all makes perfect sense. It's just that it doesn't make any sense to him. Well, yeah. I mean, I also, and maybe this is what you're saying, you know, that she is angry on Valentine's behalf. Oh, like, did you think so? I, I mean, not, I mean, not, not solely on her behalf, uh-huh. but I really felt like some of that was saying, I can't believe that you know you would lead her on mm-hmm. like this and then not put out for it you know like that was you know i mean that was only a part of what was going on but i well, felt like that was and, part of you it. know naturally seabatch does not uh come to his own defense right and another thing that i don't know if this is i i don't know if i was right about this but i felt like he was a bit drunk and then maybe stop for a drink or some, somehow before it even got home. Cause he, his inability to respond to her initial outburst, it felt to me like not, you know, and maybe it's, it was just emotion. Pos- I, you know, I don't know. It, maybe it all, was also all, really late at night at that point. Right. Yeah. In any case, because, you know, he could have, you know, he was like, we, I was totally going to bang her. It's not my fault, mm-hmm. you know, but he, he did not say that. Uh, but she, um, yeah, as I wrote, accuses him of not cheating on her <laughs> um, and flips out and she's like, fine, whatever, go to France. And she rips her medal off and throws it on the ground. So, you know, ain't nobody going to be praying for him is, is what she's saying there. She's totally fronting, man. Yeah, I know. She loves that guy. <laughs> she loves him so much. I know. Well, and he's like, oh, I've decided something. And she's like, oh, don't tell me you did it for me. Right. And I'm like, bitch. Yeah. You need to calm down. He would never even say that. <laughs> right. That is not part of his thought process <laughs> at all. Yeah. Uh, but he has decided about Michael. He mm-hmm. has decided that Michael is to be raised a Catholic. Yeah. Uh, what he's decided 
this is, you know, yeah. it's his turn to put on the crazy hat. <laughs> He's decided that in allowing his character to be assassinated, uh, despite the fact that he was walking wounded. Right. With the old PTSD. <laughs> yeah. And the brain scramble. Right. And that his father believed yeah. that he would be capable of such, you know, irresponsible behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, he's not to be in charge of the future master of Groby. Right. Which, first of all, the old one wasn't so great. <laughs> right. <laughs> the current one's a dick. Yeah. And your wife is at least as, if not more, insane than you. Right. And secondly, your kid's, like, living with your sister. Right. Like, it's not like you actually are around him. Yeah. Anyway, he tells her he wants Father Consit to yes. educate Michael. It takes him some time to remember his name, too, which is still... Well, she still has a to ling- tell him. Yeah, this is still a lingering effect that he has trouble with names. So he says he wants Father Consit to educate Michael. He'll teach him as much sense as nonsense because he's an intelligent priest. Right. He also says, by the way, she says, you mean I can raise Michael Catholic? And he says, Roman Catholic, and I'll thank you to teach him to use that term. Mm-hmm. But she says, Father Consit was hanged. Yeah. Which we did know, actually. Right. Ruggles, uh, Ruggles mentioned knew. it earlier. Yeah. But uh, he was hanged for whatever it was that they decided to arrest him for. And she says they kept it out of the papers because he was a priest. And all of the witnesses were Ulstermen, mm-hmm. uh, which are Northern Irish. Right. And she says, and yet I may not call this an accursed war. Mm-hmm. And they have their first moment of, you know, shared intimacy and not yeah. just him being shell-shocked. Yeah. And he says, you can call it that to me. Right. And, you know, yeah. the Benny Hill music plays and <laughs> everybody laughs. <laughs> All right. Still applause from the studio audience. <laughs> Steve Urkel sticks his head in. Did I do that? Just to break the tension. <laughs> yeah, because it, it got pretty tense there. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that, uh, that was another, Whew. yeah, like, no. And look, I wanted to watch ahead cousins uh-huh. the last time, Yeah, you know, after the last podcast, when we were so excited, we're like, we're going to watch the next episode. Yeah. And like, I was scheming the whole time. I was <laughs> like, how do I trick Tom into letting us watch episode four? But by the time we got to the end of episode three, I was like, I need two weeks. Yeah. I need to process. This is too much. Yeah. No, that. That episode three, and particularly because, you know, we watched it a couple times and it's been a few days since the first time. But, man, that just – it was a – just put us through the ringer, man. Like, it's, it was uh, – Well, because it's like, oh, they're finally going to consummate their love. And then, and then they don't? Yeah. And, oh, my oh, God. Wow. And they don't even kiss. Right. They spend all this time together. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, we two can't more even we can't go. even imagine. Yeah, I'm like I'm hoping it's kind of downhill from here, <laughs> but I feel like it's like, probably uphill all the way. Yeah, this is not an easy story. Yeah, and nor should it be. Yeah, but uh, we will see how this parade ends. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs, lunch and out. <laughs>